You're listening to the Watermark OC Church Sunday morning Q&A portion of our Sunday service. At Watermark, we have a mission statement that says we want to build a generational community that flourishes in God conversations and the authentic love of Jesus. So one Sunday, every teaching series at least, we hope to model how to have these God conversations. And uh, the Q&A that you're going to hear is by no means an effort to prove that we are the Bible answer people. And uh, it's not stump a pastor. Actually, the aim is simply to give you a humble model for how to do this in the areas where you live, work, and play, how to thoughtfully and empathetically engage in a dialogue with your friends, neighbors, family, and coworkers. So having said that, we sincerely hope you enjoy. And if you have questions, feel free to email us at watermarkoc.com slash questions. Thanks again for listening. So quick question for you, Riley and Kathleen. What does self-care look like for you as a mom of 10 kids? And you too, Kathleen, three girls. Did you hear what she said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I think for me, um, I think part of me has kind of struggled with this self-care idea just because in my reality, a lot of the times it's actually not available. Like, it's not always there. So... I've realized that um, God isn't always going to give me an opportunity for self-care. Now, my husband's very awesome. When he comes home from work, he'll give me time when I ask for it and all of that. Um, And I think uh, waking up in the morning and making sure I'm uh, listening to the Bible, even if I'm not able to get like that time alone, turning on the Bible app um, is huge for me. But um, I just realized that I'm not always going to get self-care, but the Lord um, doesn't promise me that. I think our world, like, uh, has set up this idea that, like, we have to have self-care to be a good mom, and that's just not the reality. Like, sometimes we're sick. We have sick kids. It's just not promised to us. So um, I believe in self-care. I need self-care for sure, but I found that I need to learn to, like, lean into the Lord because that's not always going to be given to me, and when I don't have it, um, I'm still called right. to be gracious and loving to my children. Um, and obviously, I still fail at that. But um, I think the biggest thing about self-care is learning to ask for it, which is not always easy, but from my husband, like, learning to ask for it. Well yeah. said. Pat, you want to add anything to that? Well, I think just for me, my self-care was just having my good, close friends that I could go to when I was struggling with something. And to, you know, run ideas about how we're raising our kids or heartbreaks or whatever. So I had a strong community of girlfriends that we'd have fun and have game night. And, but also I could call crying. And so that was how I emotionally had good self-care. Yeah. Riley and I have had some great um, kind of deep wrestling conversations about that balance of to have it or not have it. And she pushed me to find a basis for... A, what the Bible says about rest versus what the culture says about a a nail and spa day, you know what I mean, per se. And what what she helped me find the words for, this works for all of us. And this is the same point we're talking about from disorder to order, right? When you work seven days a week, 80 hours, and that doesn't stop, maybe for a season, but it never stops, that's disorder, that's chaos. The Bible says Sabbath, that God worked for six days and took one day off. That's balance, that's order, that's rest. And so to get that day, even in whatever season you are, to fight for that day, to ask for that day, is a biblical idea. A rest day is b- deeply biblical. Um, and, and, and I even, 
we took this out of our parenting notes from, from a seminar. I talked about the oxygen mask. Uh, you know, moms, dads, leaders, people in the room, if you're constantly fried and burnt out because you're laying down your life for people all the time, what good are you? What good are you the next season when you're fried and burnt out? You'll have compassion fatigue. You'll be emotionally, physically, spiritually fried. You won't have a deep well to draw from when that, when that next need comes up. So you do need to do something to, to take care of yourself, um, to have that boundary, to have that rest. Um, but I, I, I love Riley's honest answer because it's just, it's not a guarantee, right? And so it's a balance, it's a tension to manage, not a problem to fix. We've got a couple more questions coming in here from the internet. As parents, when you went through a trial or a season of being in the desert, what was a Bible verse that encouraged you? And how did you approach praying through that season? Yeah, uh, Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you, be not dismayed for I am that God, I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So God, our God, is amazingly present during our struggles and our desert times, even though we can't feel him. He is there, and we know that by faith. We also know that he understands exactly what the desert is like because he became a person. He took on skin. And Jesus, that's another verse, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Even the Son of God understands the desert he went to the desert so that you would never have to be alone in your trial. God, our God, the Christian God, that's, there's no other religion that has that God that took on skin and became incarnate. My God, my God, why is love for sake? He is with you, and he understands the desert because he's been there himself. I'm scared, Becky. The, the whole, the, you're going to go, Kathleen? Go. Yeah. yeah. Um, our, just, our life first that came through the, our son's life was walk by faith, not by sight, because our circumstances were so out of control that we just had to focus on who God is and just, and just walk by faith, not by sight. And we just try to live that for all the rest of our days because that's what you got to do. So good. There's a great question here. It says, uh, how do you balance time with your family? and your extended family? Would you have shalom space with extended family or just your own family? And Bucky, I'm gonna tee that over to you, but there's also a note here, I'm not making this up. It says, also, side note, Ben, I miss your mustache. Signed, John S. So, bless you, John, I appreciate that. Oh, Josh, Josh S. You know, we're mourning the loss, but it's okay. It's we've won the battle because my wife never supported the mustache to begin with, so we're okay. Well, I think the extended family would say, Bless you, Ben, but we don't miss your mustache. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love that question about Shalom Space. Uh, Kathleen and I have been blessed, you know, and this is our, this is our journey to always be around family. We were the, somehow the ones that stayed home and were with family when maybe siblings took other paths, and it's not that that's a better path. This was our path. So we, we've always tried to create space for extended family, and because we're close with family, we think that's just beautiful. And um, it's beautiful because we have the same values, you know, uh, to get together with the Applebee's and the Dennis's, it's like we're all one tribe and we're all sharing the same stuff. And so if you don't have that, sometimes that can be more difficult to get shalom space. But for us, it's been a blessing for us. We do make time for it and we think it's so important for the generation. We totally want our grandkids to see, you know, the whole generational thing. And just like we want our parents to see that, you know, and we want them to see the Applebee's generations. And so it's always this model of what God can do with a bigger story. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm thinking about the phrase uh, that time is fleeting, and we know that's true, but I think a similar phrase I would add to it, intention is fleeting. 
You know, there's a season for every kind of mix of spending time with your extended family, and we are eyes wide open. For some of you, extended family time is a drain, you know? It's a taxing affair to go and, quote-unquote, see those people, and it may be a hardship for you, and, and that's what the questioner means about balancing the tension between, you know, going over there and spending time because I ought um, versus, you know, I want to. And so this is what I would say, and we learned this early on in a different way. As newlyweds, you know, we're over at my parents and my in-laws every week, maybe you know, two or three times a week, and, and that serves a purpose. But we didn't have a lot of intention. We started having kids, and that grew, this time and space between those visits grew a little bit. We still depend on it, but you got to have that intention, where you, whether your friends or roommates or even your significant other, make a plan about how you're going to spend your time and your intention. Uh, this world, because it's so disordered and chaotic, we've barely ever stop to ask the question, what is best investment of my time? That's intention. And then maybe you can see some of the rewards. And, and ladies, by the way, you just steal the mic. We have this mic if you have a, a, an answer. But the next question says, when, when there is tension and disagreements, how does a mom want their children uh, try to proceed while trying to show love and honor and create healthy boundaries? So tension and disagreements, how does a mom uh, who, who wants uh, their adult child to proceed while trying to show love. You, you guys go ahead, speak into that with the I'm adult sure children. I'm not sure if I'm answering this correctly, but like when I would have a disagreement with my daughters, Bucky would step in and he would do that whole mirroring exercise with us to help us work through our issue, um, which was helpful. That answer. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the question. And, and mirroring, by the way, if you're not familiar with it, we've talked about it in this series, is when you have a communication struggle or a conflict or you're not hearing each other, is one person, party one, we'll call them, shares their feeling. Party two reflects back to them what they just heard. You would be stunned how many drafts they have to go through just to get point number one clear because we hear things that were not said. And uh, so that's a beautiful exercise. Anyone can do it. Just stop and repeat back to the person what you heard them say until that's clear, and then you can move into making amends, reconciliation, et cetera. Oh, there's an audience, audience question. Go ahead. So ladies, uh, I know you both have great husbands, um, but if, if there was something that you could share that you think all the men, the husbands, fathers in the room could learn from, either your husbands or, or just something that you'd like to share with these, these men of how to be better husbands and fathers. Gosh, no yeah, can, you can critique us. Go ahead, critique us. <clears throat> no. Be kind, but be honest. Now, Bucky has always given me the space to just be who I am. And being a pastor's wife, that was a lot, probably more difficult um, than maybe others. But he, I've always, he's given me the freedom to say, I'm Bucky's wife. I'm not a pastor's wife. And that just really freed me up. And I think that probably helped me raise our children in the church as well and gave them the freedom. So, um, so I guess my... Recommendation is um, give your freedom wife, give your wife freedom to be who she is, and then just create a safe place and be a good listener. I know you hear all that a lot, but don't fix, but really listen. And I think that's where the mirroring comes in is also, is really listen to your wife, because a lot of the times she's just trying to share this deep pain, and you, you're not seeing it, and the best thing you could do is really try to get down and just try to love her through that. That wound. It's a good one. Really good. Yeah, well, you took mine. So I guess I think all women maybe say this. But um, I was going to say, yeah, when Ben gives me the space um, and just listens, that I think is when I feel the most 
loved and heard. And especially in parenting, there's so many things that, um, yeah, you're wrestling through. And so for him to be a space to hear um, my heart uh, is like the greatest gift that he gives me. It's awesome. I'm going to take this last one because it's so specific and, and really a good one. And the band's going to come up. They got a special song prepared for you this morning for all of us. This is a great question. How do I practically teach your kids not to interrupt you while you're trying to talk to your spouse? And, uh, and then it goes on. I feel like I'm ignoring and being a bad parent if I ignore my kids and not stop my conversation with my spouse and listen to my kids with their constant interruptions. How do I get through this? So really quickly, I'm, we have this thing. It's impossible, by the way. First answer is it's impossible, okay, because it's constant. I don't care if you only have one kid. It's constant. They all, everything in the world is new to them. It's amazing discovery for them, and they got to tell you all about it, right? But we've come up with one little device. I don't know if we came up with it or someone taught us it, but we, it's called the interrupt rule. So say one of the kids comes, and they're not saying excuse me. They don't care. They don't even see you talking to each other. But they come right up, and they're going to immediately interrupt. And what you do is, is you just say interrupt rule, and after a certain age, only can conceive of this, but what they're supposed to do is put their hand on mom or dad's arm, and then you can even put your hand on them to show that you've seen them. You understand you, they want to interrupt. They're just going to sit there quietly while you finish your thought. That's the training. You have to get down and really train, 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 train this. It doesn't always work, like I said, perfectly, but it's something. And this is the last thing I want to say on this because it's so vital. Um, your conversation with your spouse is so primary, that relationship, that intimacy, that catching up after a day is so primary. The cultural myth is that I got to, you know, you know, absolutely stop everything for my kids all the time. That's not biblical. That's the cultural voice that says, I must be interruptible for my kids for everything whilst abandoning my spouse. Who do those kids have? Who do those kids have if mom and dad are not the foundation? So you chip away at that foundation of mom and dad, that, that spousal unit that's the number one caretakers for those kids, the number one formers for those kids, and then what do you have? That's the number one biggest, and I've learned this from these two guys, so they would say this, that's, that's the number one gift you can give to your kids is a strong marriage. Number one gift you can give your kids is a strong marriage. This is a boundaries and limits conversation. It is okay to, t- to stiff arm your kid. <laughs> Let me just tell you right now. It's okay to stiff arm your kid, Okay. The world will tell you, you're harming them, and that's dishonoring them, especially if you're in a child-led model. Oh, just let them interrupt all the time. Guess what? Nah, nah, okay? You just stiff arm them and say, you know what? I want to hear that. Love to hear that. How many times have we said, oh, yes, please interrupt? And then they're like, oh, I forgot. Cool, cool, yeah. So and just, not to up. interrupt you. Yeah. <laughs> please do. You've got to shut me down. I know. <laughs> Mine's very quick, but my kids knew. Gosh, excuse me. <clears throat> and I only had three girls, and it was easy to put them in a room with some Beanie Babies, and they were quiet. But when Dad came home, I got like the first 10 minutes because I just, you know, I'm a talker, and I just wanted that concentrated time. So they knew that Mommy's time with Daddy was the most important, and then after that, then we became a family. So anyway. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed today's episode covering the questions and answers from this particular topic. If you have further questions, remember watermarkoc.com slash questions, or you can get in touch with a pastor. Go to watermarkoc.com, click on the link for coffee with a pastor. We would love to begin a conversation with you.